0: Our Lord and welcome to Thy Strong Word. <laughs> Excuse me, I've already lost my train of thought because it's Friday. So happy Friday to everyone. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere. Actually, I'm in my church, and I now have a big window in front of me, and someone just walked by, so I got distracted. I'm I am really like a dog when I see a squirrel when I do this, but I am here. I'm your host, Brady Finnern, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Today is Friday, as I said, October 1st. It is already October. Personally, I love October, so I'm excited to be here and even more excited because we're here to study the inspired and true Word of God and put on our Christ goggles in Leviticus chapter 16. Now, what's really exciting is that chapter 16, in the two or three commentaries that I read for today, they all say that this is the peak. This is the high point. This is what brings it all together in the book of Leviticus. And crazy enough, it points us to Christ. We hear of the tragedy of Nadab and Abihu back in chapter 10, and we're kind of left with, okay, what now? But today we see how the various rituals of the high priest was to do so that he would not have the same fate. And obviously it points us to the question of how can I be clean? Well, we find out today and also we see Jesus. For the gifts are ready, ready for you. A special thanks to our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. To help us to be strengthened by God's Word, we welcome back Pastor Dustin Beck of Holy Cross Lutheran Church in Warda, Texas. Pastor Beck, welcome back to Thy Strong Word.
1: Yes, sir. Good morning, Pastor Finner. How are you? I'm
0: well. I'm happy. Happy Friday.
1: Yes, sir. To you as well. Yeah.
0: So I wanted to ask this. You are near and dear to uh, Pat, our, my colleague in uh, Sharper Iron, Pastor Tim Apple. He is, well, they maybe will have a child soon. Have you heard anything from Pastor Apple? You know, uh, I texted Apple? him
1: this morning and I haven't heard back. Maybe that's a good gotcha. sign. Sometimes
0: no news is good news. He's well, obviously, he might be a little bit busy. So, to you, our listeners, uh, keep Pastor Apple and his wife in your prayers. They're expecting their fifth child, and I believe she's being induced today. Maybe I'm hopefully I'm not sharing too much, but this is a time for us all to pray and give thanks and uh, go from there. So, Pastor Beck, uh, last book was in July, studying Nehemiah. We're in a whole new book, a whole new time. It's the fall. Tell us what's going on for you, your family, and the work of the saints at Holy Christ.
1: Oh, goodness. Uh, We're staying busy. How's that? We're staying busy uh, oh, with, in, in terms of uh, in our family <laughs> and in our life. Uh, you know, uh, the boys are all playing sports uh, this fall. Um, so that's exciting. Flag football and soccer and baseball and everything else. we got three young sons uh, who are the oldest is in fifth grade. Uh, and then, um, you know, we're still very active in trail life, uh, kind of a scouting alternative to Boy Scouts, which is just wonderful. Mm. Uh, Christ centered uh, kind of scouting uh, endeavor. Not not a plug, not a paid advertisement at all, Um, (laughs) still teaching uh, Old Testament uh, here at Faith Lutheran High School in Central Texas, which is just spectacular. I've got 10 students this year, and so uh, this high school has only been around for about five years, and uh, it is just wonderful to see it growing and to see it, you know, uh, expanding its reach uh, here out as we have students that are driving uh, as, as far as 30 miles uh, to come all wow. the way here for our high school, which that, isn't that incredible? Uh, my wife stays busy also teaching at the high school, and uh, then she is uh, also running the Texas Wendish Heritage Museum, uh, which is kind of a big deal. The Wends are uh, – that's all of the original Lutherans that came to this area – uh, are called Windish, so they hmm. settled here in Central Texas, and uh, it's kind of a uh, an Eastern Germany kind of Slavic tribe uh, that was very similar story to the um, to the LCMS, but came over and like the fifty or the eighteen forties. I mean. 1850s. And, uh, yeah, so interesting stuff, right? And they just had their big Windisch Fest, uh, which is a 2,000-person event with uh, good German food and music and activities for the kids and all kinds of stuff. So that was all like in the last week and a half you know so my goodness <laughs> just,
0: my goodness pastor
1: Staying busy <laughs>
0: <laughs> well you know yeah. there's always something new i learn and it doesn't always have to do with the the bible on sure, this program yeah. and now we learn about the wendish fest in central texas so if you're nearby yeah. next year check it out uh pastor it's Beck's always the wife fourth sunday
1: involved. in september it's fantastic there you go
0: There you go, Wendish. I'm going to look that up later. But right now, we're here to study the scriptures. And so, Pastor, as we begin, uh, can you begin our time in prayer?
1: Absolutely. Uh, Let us pray. Gracious Father, you have called us uh, to, uh, unto yourself to be in your nearer presence uh, and to experience your great glory. Uh, so Lord, we pray that you would purify us by your Son, Jesus Christ, and by his blood. We pray that you would draw us closer to you by faith uh, now so that one day we may see you by sight. And we pray that you, would, uh, that you would enlighten our hearts this day as we study Leviticus chapter 16. We ask this in all things in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
0: Amen. Reminder to your listeners, if you have any questions about the pinnacle of the book of Leviticus here in chapter 16, send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org or call us 314-821-0850. 314-821-0850. Now, I did I did receive this uh word from Pastor Brian Wolfmeier who was on oh. yesterday when we talked about <laughs> bodily discharges as he said for
1: like an hour wow. my goodness <laughs> it, it was it was
0: a long hour but you know we brought it back to Jesus which is our yeah. goal. and he said how did back get chapter 16 and I have 15 so I, that's just a just a snide comment and uh for those who listened, yesterday was a gift, as it will be. But today is even—I can't say double gift because it's still God's word. But it is maybe more enriching and pointing us to Christ a little bit easier. So, what do you think? Well, what, what would you tell I, Pastor Wolf Mueller?
1: I think Pastor Wolf Mueller was was apt and up to the challenge of Lex, uh, Leviticus 15, <laughs> and I am. I, I I can I can go with the the softball toss. I can go with the the lower hanging fruit here of Leviticus 16 go. because he is a, like a wonderful scholar and a gifted proclaimer of Jesus. So if uh, if anybody can uh, can uh, <laughs> can distill oh. Jesus out of Leviticus 15, it's Brian. And, there you um, go. Yeah, I'll take the it's, I'll take the easy one.
0: A lot of fun. A lot of fun. I had another commentary I read talked about how chapter 16 is kind of like that last missing puzzle piece that you have uh, yeah. when, you, when you're when you working on a puzzle. And it, it really opens up a lot of like, wow, that's how that all fits together is how one person put it. So, Pastor, how do you want to right. start us off as we look at chapter 16, this very blessed part of the book of Leviticus?
1: Yeah, so the whole and since I haven't been on uh, with you uh, during Leviticus, I'll just say this is that. The whole book of Leviticus, right? It's the center of the Torah, right? You've got Genesis and Exodus, and then you're going to have Numbers and Deuteronomy. But right here, smack dab in the middle is Leviticus. And if you've ever tried to read through the Bible from start to finish, you probably got bogged down in Leviticus because this is when we start getting into all of the rules, regulations, all of the, um, all of the legalese, it almost sounds like, of what it's like to be God's people. But here's the deal, and here's the reason that Leviticus is such a cool book. God wants to be with his people, right? Mm -hmm. That's the promise that he has made, is that um, I will be your God, and you will be my people, and I will dwell with you. I mean, for crying out loud, I mean, he's going to have Moses construct a tent um, as— you know, Israel is wandering around towards the promised land, and God is going to actually pitch a tent where he is going to be there with his people. I mean, this is so critical for us to understand that this is, uh, this is a uh, precursor to the temple, right, the permanent dwelling place of mm-hmm. God in the Old Testament. This is God's physical address, if you want to think about it like that, right? I mean, so mm-hmm. how do you know that you can go to God when you have a complaint, or when you have a prayer, or when you have a problem with sin, or you know, for instance, when when you've you know uh, committed manslaughter and you're worried that somebody's going to chase you down and you know kill you back, right? So um, yeah. you can go to God's physical address. God actually has a a location in the Book of Leviticus, uh, but here's the deal. Here's the deal, right? God is holy, <laughs> and we yeah. are not. And so the question that Leviticus serves to answer is, how can we be in the presence of a holy God? Right. So that's the entire book. And then it kind of, if you can actually, you can go from the outsides and work your way in. Right. So you have Uh, the rituals at the beginning and at the end. You haven't gotten to the end yet, I guess, right? You've got the priests uh, all the way back in 8, 9, and 10, right, which we'll reference 10 today. And then you're going to talk about qualifications for priests in a couple of chapters, I think, right? And then we're going to get into this kind of middle sandwich section where we've got the ritual of purity and the moral of purity. We're kind of getting towards uh, how exactly God's people can stay pure or can become pure again uh, because— we're unclean, right? Just in our daily lives and our goings about, we touch unclean things. We come into contact with those. And I love that y'all pointed out yesterday uh, that impurity is not sin, right? Yeah, impurity, yeah. Um, it, it, it makes you ineligible to be in God's presence, but not because, you know, you did something that was morally wrong, right? You've done something that is unclean. You've, you've basically touched death, right? And mm. God's purity, God's holiness is all about life. And so then uh, after we get through 16 and 17 today and, uh, and Monday, you'll get into the moral purity. But right here, smack dab in the middle of the book, at least thematically speaking, is this day of atonement, this day when all of the rest of Leviticus that seems to focus on sort of the individual atonement, the individual taking care of sins and impurities. Now we're going to talk about the corporate nature of atonement and the forgiveness of sins Mm. and the cleansing of impurities. So maybe I talked way too quick right there. Is there anything I need to back up on?
0: (laughs) No. Well, yeah, Well, we could always back up on more. How about that? But a few things that that went through my mind as you were talking, and it's such a great way to begin our time, is the reality of when – Pastor Wolfmure brought up that an impurity does not mean sin. And that's very helpful because someone could read that and stop at like a bodily discharge and say, well, I have a disease. Does this mean sin, you know, or the menstrual cycle? And I've heard kind of. Argumentation that kind of gets done like how dare you call a woman unclean um, and in, in the same sense, almost like you 're sinful and that 's a helpful distinction as we look at roles of men and women, I think in our culture today is a you know to be a man is not sinful to be a woman is not sinful right. um, but in this con- its just it 's a good argumentation for us to be able to keep it in the right way. secondly, yesterday, a big thing was there 's a difference of men and women, and that 's an important thing for us to look at, especially the next few chapters as we look at sexual holiness and other holiness as well. That didn't read, you didn't say anything about that, but that just jumped onto that myself. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. And then finally, for us to be able to look at today's text in a way that brings us back to Nadab and Abihu. And I want to hear your thoughts on this because it doctor, uh, not doctor. He's almost a doctor. uh, David Duke, (laughs) who's a pastor in New York, just referenced how 11 through 15 kind of leaves you with this like giant shoe that has not dropped. Like, well, wait a second here. If Nadab and Abihu are going to be destroyed, for being doing the wrong thing. What does this mean for us? How can I be in a presence of a holy God? And that would have been for them and for us like, Oh my gosh, that's mean that's wrong. And today by God's grace, he shows us, um, okay, well, here's a procedure and here's why it's important to follow this procedure. Any thoughts on that? I, I thought that was a good way to look at it. Like, a, the giant yeah. shoe that's not dropped yet.
1: Thoughts yeah. On. I like that. And I would, I would, um, Maybe maybe just to, to let the other shoe drop, if you will, right? <laughs> maybe just to piggyback off of that, uh, would be to say that um, the whole problem with Nahab and Abihu um, is that they enter into God's presence on their terms. Yeah. Right? And mm-hmm. so what we're going to see in Leviticus 16 and, and even into 17, we're going to see that God will actually give us – the, the instructions to enter into his holy presence. God will actually give us the, um, uh, the means by which uh, you may enter into my presence and not die, right? So God is holy, and part of being holy is being uh, perfect and pure and good. Um, part of being holy is that, you know, it it dispels it, it, it casts out everything that's not holy. And so if you, um, if you enter into the presence of God in a manner, in a way that is, um, uh, that is not according to God's own will and God's own plan. If you just say, you know what, I, I think I can just, I I'm worthy to approach God. No, you're not. Yeah. Right. <laughs> None of us are worthy to approach God. And it's only when we do, you know, I, I love the way that, um, uh, that the, uh, the chapter actually ends, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but it mm-hmm. says, and Aaron did as Yahweh commanded Moses. Th- that is our takeaway here, is that God it. is going to spend 34 verses laying out, here's how you come into my presence. And then the, the bottom line wow. is, Aaron did those things. His mm-hmm. son said not right? So not, right. That, that sets up the whole scene for us. Um, and I, I, before we actually jump into the text, if it's okay, mm-hmm, um, I please. do want to unpack just real briefly. I'll try to do this quickly. Um, I want to unpack uh, the idea of atonement. And then I want to yeah. talk about um, the way that Jesus gets pulled into all of this. So Wonderful. atonement, Go for it. The, first, uh, the first real image that we get in this, and I'm sure you've talked about this in Bible class. Many of our listeners have heard about this before, but all the way at the end of Genesis chapter three, right? Uh, When Adam and Eve are standing there in their scratchy, itchy, fig leaf, uh, Tarzan and Jane outfits, um, you know, trying to hide their sin, trying to cover their sin. um, God just simply says, you know, in effect, this will not do. So he clothes them, he covers them uh, with the skins of animals, right? And so you have to read between the lines to actually see this, um, that he actually sacrifices a couple of animals. He actually sheds the blood of innocent animals to cover up Adam and Eve's naked shame, right? And that word atonement means to cover up, right? Now it's not the same idea that we have as like you know dusting something under the under the rug or like you know and that that whatever that movie was from a couple decades ago, when you spill something on the ground, you just put newspapers over it, right? You remember that one, uh, It's not yeah. like that, but when God <laughs> covers up sin, he's actually putting it away. It's not just out of sight, but it is, you know, as the Psalms will say, as far as the East is from the West, it's gone, it's out of sight, it's out of mind, it's forgotten, okay? So I, I, we need to go ahead and point that out, um, that hmm. something innocent dies, And by that blood, by the life blood that is in it—that's in the Hebrew way of thinking—the blood, uh, the life is in the blood, right? If something Mm -hmm. you know is cut and the blood all drains out of it, it's not alive anymore, right? And so, it something innocent, the blood is shed, its life is given, and then it that blood and the you know the uh, the sacrifice it covers up the transgression. Okay. Now, fast forward all the way to Jesus, of course. um, Even back in Genesis three, that. You know, we hear the promise of uh, this, the offspring of the woman will crush the head of the serpent, right? We see the first sacrifice. Fast forward all the way into Jesus, and Jesus does this. The writer of the Hebrews, uh, I know we're not studying Hebrews today, Pastor Fenner, right? But the writer <laughs> of the Hebrews makes this big point out of saying that there is this, in chapter 9, there's this earthly holy place, right? That's what we're talking about in Leviticus 16, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay? But the earthly holy place is a shadow of what's actually going along going on, right, of the heavenly places. And so Christ appears as the high uh, high priest. Um, he does even more perfectly and more greatly what the priests have been doing for, you know, centuries and millennia uh, down below. Okay, so it says, you know, under the law, everything is purified with blood, with that life blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. But the writer to the Hebrews is making that point that when blood is shed for religious purposes, for the people of God in the Bible, and especially for, uh, for us, for Christians, when, we, when that blood is shed, we're always to uh, point to Jesus, okay? So I wanted to get that out of the way before we start talking about laying hands on animals and you know cutting their throats and lambs and rams and goats and oxen and things like that, that this is all about Jesus. And so when you see the offerings that are given, when you see this goat that's running off into the woods, right, this is all about what Jesus is doing. We got we to gotta start with that. Okay.
0: That is absolutely perfect. Thank you. And it reminds me that, uh, you know, I I want my kids to go to high school where you're teaching Old Testament, but I live in Minnesota, so I don't know how that would work. Um, I've had anyways. more
1: coffee today than usual, so that's why I'm talking fast.
0: <laughs> that's right. So it, it's a great way for us to think through this because atonement can be very misleading. That's when we have a day of atonement. We have to make sure our terms are right. I'm reminded of in 2007, there was a movie called Atonement. And if you had this burning desire to watch this movie and haven't watched it yet i'm gonna give a little bit of it away is that the movie (laughs) basically ends with this gal who felt guilty about her her sister and her um i guess you say boyfriend who ended up separating because of her and having problems she wanted to make atonement for this i think they both died by writing a book about them actually staying together and I found that really interesting dynamic of atonement is that it's more of a I feel better. Um, I, I don't feel so bad by what I did. And here, atonement, like you said so well, covers us up, our our guilt, our shame, our sins, covers it up completely because that gal, she still is gonna feel that guilt, even though her book is a, a, a you know, million copies sold. But for us, the guilt is all upon somebody else, not a made up movie or a made up book, but in the, on the cross of Jesus. So there it is. That's that's my more simplified way of thinking is usually movies, usually Disney. Movies, I, I didn't but see that. Anyways, one. <laughs> well, there you go. If you, if you wanted to, I'm sorry, I gave it away. So no, let's good. dig into the text here, Pastor, because at, we'll get to Hebrews a little bit later. And I'm excited to get there as well. But we are in Leviticus chapter 16. And I will just start with the first five verses. And reminder, we are reading from the English Standard Version. The Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron, when they drew near to the Lord and died. And the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron, your brother, not to come at any time into the holy place inside the veil before the mercy seat that is on the ark so that you he may not die. For I will appear in the cloud over the mercy seat. But in this way, Aaron shall come into the holy place with a bull from the herd for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. He shall put on the holy linen coat and shall have the linen undergarment on his body. And he shall tie the linen sash around his waist and wear the linen turban. These are the holy garments. He shall bathe his body in water and then put them on. And he shall take from the congregation of the people of Israel two male goats for a sin offering and one ram for a burnt offering. So we we already talked about Ed, Nadab and Abihu. So we have kind of a context of why are we even talking about this the way we are. And the goal of God is, like you said, he wants to be with his people. His goal is not to have you come to him and then you die. That's not his goal. So he lays out the procedure, which can be confusing. So bear with us, listeners, because we'll get there. But so far, what's happening, Pastor Beck?
1: Right. So, so far, uh, he basically is giving the overview, right, of of this is what you're going to need. Um, This is how Aaron needs to show up. Uh, So he's going to have special clothes. Right. It seems a little weird to us because, you know, I mean, especially in the 21st century, we live in a time of, you know, you can you can worship Jesus in flip flops or you can worship Jesus in a suit. I guess you could wear a suit with flip-flops if you really wanted to. I don't know why I went to flip-flops. That sounds comfortable, (laughs) right? But uh, We kind of have an informal way of being, um, and this is anything but informal right? Mm-hmm. There are special clothes that are set aside for this act that is about to be undergone, right? And I think that, uh, you know, within our, you know, many of our churches within the Lutheran uh, Fellowship, um, many of our churches, we do have special vestments. We do have special uh, special clothing uh, that is that we have set aside, right? Obviously not by the command of God, uh, but we've mm-hmm. set aside uh, these clothings uh, as a way of symbolizing, as a way of of communicating that there's something different, there's something special going on right here, and you know, um, not to not to put down anybody that that doesn't wear vestments or anybody that's not Lutheran, uh, but there is something too that. That special and differentness uh, that happens uh, in many liturgical churches, um, there is something to it that says, you know, this isn't like every other day. This isn't like you know where I go on Saturday afternoons or when I'm at a football game or when I'm at some other you know venue with a lot of other people. Um, here and now, these things are only used. These these holy garments, these are used uh, by the person that's about to do you know word and sacrament, which is effectively what what Aaron is about to. Do do. I also need to point out the fact that this detail um, is given to us uh, in verse two uh, that says that I will appear in the cloud over the mercy seat, right? So Mm -hmm. the mercy seat is the lid. Uh, Everybody remembers this from uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? Good old movie. Um, You got to have that in your head anytime (laughs) you're talking about the Ark of the Covenant. Um, But the mercy seat is the lid, it's got a couple of angels on top. They're you know looking towards each other and they're they're covering their faces with their wings, etc. And it is this big solid gold lid. Um, and we are told that's basically God's footstool. That is where God is going to show up for His people. If you want to know where God is, He has made Himself. And you know we could almost use kind of the um, you know uh, the language of a proto sacramental presence, right? He is truly present where this ark is. He has made himself present, so much so um, that if you abuse that presence, if you don't recognize that presence, like Aaron's sons, you know, you will actually die in the presence of God and the holiness of God. He is a consuming fire, right? Um, And so these first couple of verses here are going to introduce the theme, first of all, that God means business. Second of all, that he's going to give Aaron a way in so that he can, um, so that he can, well, Uh, He can intercede on behalf of God's people so that this atoning uh, can take place on that special day of the year.
0: One of the struggles that I've had, and this is not a major struggle, but I encourage our listeners to, first of all, if you're wondering what the Ark of the Covenant looks like, look it up. I mean, you can't you don't have to just watch the movie. You can look it up online as well. It's worth it. It's
1: worth a Google
0: it's worth it yeah to look up a picture of that also as you look at the holy of holies the tent of meeting and so forth on page 139 of the lutheran study bible has a wonderful uh picture of that you can also look that up online many most of them that i found are faithful to what the scriptures have to say it might be a little bit different but it's faithful it says mercy seat you know i know growing up and and i just you know i've always needed to dig into this more but i've always kind of just said oh that's the mercy seat like you said the lid but it's kind of strange because it's not like a seat. you always think of it as a seat. Right. That you would an obvious like chair or something, but it's not obvious at all. Um, but there it is. That's just a side note. It has nothing to so, do with anything no,
1: I, I do think that's interesting though because the the word seat oh. there is not necessarily um I mean it's not necessarily like just another word for a chair, but it's like a dwelling place, right? So we mm-hmm. have like the yeah, county yeah, okay. seat. Right. Yep. Oh, Which right. Is yeah. The yeah. the the place where the business of the county takes place. Right. And so it's more it's more like that. I mean, this is the dwelling place of God, not just like this is God's chair, but we call it a seat because that's another word for chair. That, that's it's I not that it. at all. Yeah, this that's is great. Place.
0: Thank you for that. Thank you for that <laughs> sure, distinction yeah. for me. So as we look at this, I want to we have about a minute before our break is oh, OK. So he's coming in. We got the mercy seat. We know that his presence is going to be there. What is Aaron supposed to bring into this area? What do we have so far?
1: So he's supposed to bring a couple of animals, right? He's supposed to bring mm-hmm. a bull and a ram, right? And uh, that's what he's supposed to bring in. And then he's going to wear these special linen clothing, uh, this linen clothing. Um, and then he's going to bring two male goats um, and then one ram. So he's bringing a whole little uh, mini herd of of livestock in with him, um, because apparently that's what it takes to uh, atone for not only Aaron's sins and his family's sins, but then for the wider people of Israel. Um, it's going to take a lot of, uh, uh, I'll, I'll be blunt, it's going to take a lot of blood to atone yeah. for those sins, right?
0: And that's and that's something that is important for a number of reasons. Is one, um, and and I've mentioned this before. Is Pastor Kevin Parviz, who has Jewish background and works for the Jewish community oh, to yeah. proclaim Christ in Saint Louis, just talked? He talks a lot about this, and I look forward to having more discussions with him about these types of things. Says, how does Day of Atonement Yom Kippur, which they will call it? How does that work today? Do they still do it this way? But he speaks very, very, <laughs> and it opened my eyes. He's like, if you have a bunch of blood being sprouted around everywhere. This is not clean or a good smell or something that is glorious to be around. It's not like a steak that hopefully I'll have tonight when I go to have a (laughs) grill or something. It's not like that at all. The burnt offering was burnt. So all of this is not this glorious thing. However, the end product of it is glorious. And I want to touch on that a little more after our break today. We are studying Leviticus chapter 16 with Pastor Dustin Beck, and we'll be right back. On this Friday, October 1st, 2021, KFUO Radio thanks our day sponsor, Viola Saddlemeyer of Petoskey, Michigan. Viola made a gift to KFUO in loving memory of her husband, Gordon Saddlemyer on what would have been his 90th birthday today, and in loving memory of her niece, Lindy Leichert Meyer, who was also called home to the Lord. Viola is thankful to the Lord for the blessing that they were to their families, and she looks forward to seeing them again in the heavenly kingdom. Thank you, Viola Saddlemyer, for being today's KFUO Day Sponsor.
1: Our listeners and supporters are talking about Worldwide KFUO.
0: Yeah, I think your programming is just wonderful. I love the emphasis on the traditional tunes rather than the modern music. Keep up the good work. Thank you. To leave a message on the KFUO comment line, call 314-996-1542. That's 314-996-1542. 9961542 996 1542. Christ for you. Anytime, anywhere. Worldwide. KFUO.
1: The next Sing for Joy celebrates creation. We can't use color, water, earth, or sky. Such things do not work on radio. But we will use music. Join us for music that gives thanks for the beauty of the earth. Sundays at noon
0: on KFUO, the messenger of good news. And welcome back studying Leviticus chapter sixteen, looking at the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, as we will hear it often uh, referenced to. And Pastor, I love lists. I'm one of these guys that if I, I, I if I have a list to begin my day. And I cross everything off, even if it's like simple things like brush your teeth, boom, even if I do it or I brush my teeth and then I write it down and then I cross it off. I mean, that's the kind of person I am. It's it's lame. It's been that way. It's just who I am, I suppose. One of the beauties of our text today is that he's given the list. I'll give you the list so that you do not die. I mean, that's really kind of where we are to this point. And what I have for my list is, okay. Aaron needs a bull, a ram and two male goats. I want to make sure I have this list right. He needs to wear the linen tunic, the sash, the turban, the undergarments, and he needs to bathe before he goes in. Is my list right? I'm crossing them out as I go. Am I missing anything here, Pastor?
1: Well, so in verse 5, uh, in verse five, it brings up, you know, he needs these uh, the two male goats for a sin offering and one ram for a burnt offering. Um, so oh. I don't know if that's referring back to, um, you know, if the bull is, he supplies it, and then there's a ram, and then, Later on, we get the two. It's
0: it's (laughs) so that's where my list kind of goes astray a little bit. But it's it it definitely right. No, getting a shopping list
1: together on this is uh, you know okay. I need this many of this. I need this many of that. Um, yeah, no, um, mm. it is a little bit confusing there, but I believe, no, uh, back in verse 3, um, he needs the bull from the herd, he needs the ram, right? And we're going to mm-hmm. find that these are going to apply to himself and his family, um, and then you're going to have from the congregation of the people, these two male goats, right, that we'll hear about, um, one for a sin offering, and then one ram for a burnt offering as well. So I th- I think gotcha. we're reading that correctly, that, I mean, like I said, we've got a small herd that's gathering here outside of the outside. Of oh the my tabernacle. goodness.
0: I mean, you just think about trying to herd cats. I mean, that's kind oh of. The, goodness, I'm yeah. assuming the same kind of deal here. But this I is. I think he got some really, help. He's probably got some help on. Yeah, because there are other people around. But one of the one of the things too that it's good for me to remember and it, is that at the end of the day, Leviticus, if you're going to try to keep a laundry list it's oh, it's almost impossible to keep track. It, is, it yeah. is crazy. Okay, what goes here? The point of it, which is why it's such a joy to know this is all about Jesus, is that we're able to lean on that grace at the end of it all, and the foreshadow becomes clear in the cross. So, Pastor, anything else in the first five verses before we move on?
1: I think we pretty much covered it, and we've got a lot got of verses left to go, so let's uh, let's jump here we go. if you don't mind.
0: We'll keep going, uh, verses 6 through 10. Aaron shall offer the bull as a sin offering for himself and shall make atonement for himself and for his house. Then he shall take the two goats and set them before the Lord at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And Aaron shall cast lots over the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other lot for Azazel. And Aaron shall present the goat on which the lot fell for the Lord, Yahweh, and use it as a sin offering, but the goat on which the lot fell for Azazel shall be presented alive before the Lord Yahweh to make atonement over it, that it may be sent away into the wilderness to Azazel. So, Pastor, we, now we have the next move. What's happening?
1: right so the next thing that he does um, is he's going to go ahead and offer uh, make this offering this bull offering right one of the the greatest offering that there is uh, in terms of size and scope he's going to offer this for his own sin right Um, he's going to purify himself before he uh, does the next part of the rite here the rite for the day of atonement Uh, so he purifies himself um, and then also for his house right Uh, so he covers his sins he covers their sins presumably these uh, these, you know sons of Aaron are the ones that are uh, you know the other offspring of aaron and his family they're the ones that are assisting they're the ones that are actually going to be you know maybe leading these goats uh to their demise etc um that sounds scary right uh it and does. then he takes <laughs> these two goats and this is this is the scene that i think most people you know if you're familiar with the the day of atonement this is the thing that kind of sticks out um is you know isn't there something about there's the the scapegoat that goes out in the wilderness at least for me that's always kind of what uh what uh, strikes my mm-hmm. memory
0: me too. Right. So yeah. he
1: casts lots. Um, he's going to, you know, uh, and we don't exactly know what this looks like. It's uh, either some kind of a, um, uh, you know, not, we don't really think of it like it being dice, right? But kind of right. heads up, heads down. There's some kind of, uh, of, of intermediary here where God is going to appoint one of them uh, for an offering to himself, right, to God. Uh, and then the other is going to go to Azazel, right, which is this mm-hmm. weird kind of weird phrase that either the simplest explanation, the way that like the Septuagint and the Vulgate go, um, is that they just take the um, the word is kind of a, um, a two smushed together words, which is the, the go away goat. <laughs> mm-hmm, right, right yeah, and that's where we get yeah. the term scapegoat right or the escape goat the one that escapes the one that gets away the one that runs away okay um there's there's different scholar takes on this you know this could refer to some sort of a precipice um, apparently that's something built into the uh, the language that maybe there was this um that's a proper name of a precipice that this goat was supposed to walk off of um or maybe this is uh you know kind of a stand-in for uh the, uh, the name I don't know mm-hmm. if you're looking at the same commentary mm-hmm. that I was, uh, but, yes. you know, Aziel is the leader of the fallen angels, right? This, um, mm-hmm. uh, this uh, you know, Deuterocanonical uh, being kind of a deal. So basically the idea is that um, he's going to lay sins on this animal and he's going to send it off. He's going to send it out into the wilderness, presumably either, you know, to, to go to this, this false god, this king of demons kind of a deal, or just to die. Right, I think the, the traditional take on it is that this is the go away goat, right? This is the right. the one that goes off out into the wilderness to die. It is driven away so much so that you know I love the fact that it, since it's about all this is about purity and about um you know cleanliness, um, is that even the guy that has to take the the scapegoat out into the wilderness when he gets back, the first thing that he's supposed to do take a bath. Right? <laughs> right? We don't yeah. want any of that, uh, that uncleanness, that impurity uh, still on you. So yeah, that's going away. That's gone forever. Um, and he's laid the sins, the iniquities of all the people on it, right? Even the ones that hadn't been coming to church and making sacrifices for themselves, you know, or offering, you know, sacrifices to, through the priests. Um, even for them, he's making atonement for all of the people, for all of the sojourners within their gates, et cetera. Uh, this is that kind of corporate absolution i guess you could call it
0: so we just need to keep it keep it simple as you're doing so well and i'm just i'm trying to make it simple for my own mind here is so you have one goat that would be sacrificed for sin but then you would have the other goat as a scapegoat to be sent off into the wilderness also for sin so is this like a double forgiveness or how would you describe that
1: right so it's you could maybe put it this way and say that this is uh this is different aspects of talking about the same forgiveness, right? Um, and mm-hmm. we would we would do this, you know, we would we would yep. use different um, different metaphors to try to wrap our heads around uh, the way that God's uh, gracious activity works. Um, and so we could, for instance, we could talk, you know, uh, in terms of things impure versus things being made pure, right? Um, mm-hmm. Your sins, though they are like scarlet, shall be white as snow, right? We can talk mm-hmm. about sin as darkness and forgiveness as light right? So we can talk about different things, you know, the same thing in several different ways here. Um, And I think that this is, um, not only is this, you know, two different ways of talking about the same thing, where here, um, this one, you know, this first goat is being presented as a sin offering, as a burnt offering. It's being, you know, given up to God, um, you know, in in a way, you know, the the idea is to appease God, right? The blood sprinkled Mm -hmm. and all that, right? Pointing to Jesus, of course. But then this other one um, is maybe even a more visual thing because you know as you're walking this goat out and you're going to kick him out into the wilderness to to starve and to die right (laughs) you're walking right past the whole congregation of israel okay and so this is something that's done right in their presence right in their witnessing and they're able to see their sins being driven out of the camp and out to that place where they're going to where it's going to go out and die Okay. Wow! I I don't know if that yeah. answered your question, but
0: it does. It does. Because it I took a stab you know, at too it. often, too, too often, you know, I think we tend to think of things mathematically or even scientifically. OK, this yeah. plus this equals this. And this goes into the same kind of dynamic of, OK, well, I got forgiven at the beginning of the worship service. And then why do I need communion then? i have forgiven again. Right. And then what are you saying? I'm standing forgiven at the same time. And the answer to that is yes. And yeah. so it's, uh, and this is a very similar reality to that is he gives it both as a gift, we know we're forgiven by both of these things. How does that all fit? Well, that's in God's language, not our own. So how you described it was perfect as far as the people being able to see that goat, kick that goat out. You know, it's kind of like the Billy Goat and the Chicago Cubs and all those right. dynamics. And there's nothing, nothing to do with it, but I just want to bring up baseball one time. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Um, but... <laughs> um,
1: no, and I think, so, you know, um, no. one, of your, one of your predecessors on this show used to always talk about our gracious giver God. Right. And that Mm -hmm. phrase always stuck with me. And, you know, you talk about, you know, in the divine service for us, you know, the fact that, you know, I showed up and the very first thing that I did was I said, I'm a I'm a dirty, rotten scoundrel of a sinner. And the the pastor turned around and said, you know, in the triune name of God, your sins are forgiven. Well, and then a little bit later, you know, um, we're uh, we're here and he says, you know, uh, the the body and blood of Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And it's like, well, do I need more forgiveness? And the answer is always Yes. Right, Um, and Mm -hmm. I would point out the fact that it's the it's the same forgiveness that is won at the cross, right? Yeah. But now Mm -hmm. it's delivered. You know, now that the tomb has been opened, it's delivered. Over and over and over again. It's one of those Psalm 23, my cup runneth over kind of moments where God's grace and God's mercy. um, It's not like we can say, okay, I've got enough. You know, uh, I always tell folks when I'm talking about Psalm 23 that my grandmother used to pour apple juice for me and she would say, say when. And, you know, one time I didn't say when, but she stopped pouring. You know, God does it the exact opposite. Even when we say, "No, God, that's enough blessing, that's enough forgiveness, that's enough grace. He just keeps on pouring so that our cups overflow even more than we can uh, contain or hold or even fathom in a conversation like this.
0: And that's an important thing for us to remember, too, is that this forgiveness was the same forgiveness. It's not like a counterfeit forgiveness until the real stuff comes later. No, God was forgiving his people. He was atoning for their sins through wow. this, but it also was a foreshadowing of the forgiveness that we have in Christ that gets given to us differently, as you said, too. It just keeps flowing and flowing. But, Pastor, I could talk about that for another hour. We better not. I, I mean, we can. It'd be wonderful. But let's keep <laughs> going because I want to make sure that the, the list is checked off as we go through this whole chapter. We got so a lot let's to continue cover. on. I know. No, 11 through 14. Aaron shall present the bull as a sin offering for himself and shall make atonement for himself and for his house. He shall kill the bull as a sin offering for himself. And he shall take some of the blood of the bull and sprinkle it with the finger on the front of the mercy seat on the east side. And in front of the mercy seat, he shall sprinkle some of the blood with his finger seven times. Now just a few maybe a minute or two what's happening here. <laughs> yeah so I mean
1: this is um, this is that scene where we're actually seeing Aaron or we're actually hearing about Aaron going into the uh, as the King James always put it you know the holy of holies or the mm-hmm. as most of our modern bibles put it the most holy place that little square room that was set inside uh in the very deepest part of the tabernacle. This is the place where the ark of the covenant where the 10 commandments were uh, Aaron's budding staff and you know the uh, some of the uh, manna dwelt. This is the place where God's presence was, and so for Aaron to walk in, uh the idea is that the room gets filled with smoke so that he doesn't gaze upon uh upon Yahweh and die like his sons did. right? You've got to imagine that for Aaron, this is a a very he's taking notes right now. He is make going to make sure that he is doing things according to Yahweh's word uh, because he's lost two sons to this right it's a it's mm-hmm. one of those uh, you know occupational hazards that's pretty serious right and so he goes in, um, he is going to take these coals with incense, you know, sweet incense, beaten small, and he's going to allow that smoke to fill the room. And then he's going to go and he's going to take some of this uh, bull's blood that is atoning for his sin, and he's going to sprinkle it. He's going to cover uh, the front side of the mercy seat on it. Um, he's going to sprinkle it seven times, kind of that uh, image of the, the perfect number of God, the, you know, the nature of God kind of a deal. He's going to sprinkle, sprinkle that so that the life of that bull uh, would be there to a tone and to cover his own the, own, the death that Aaron has within him on account of his sins and uncleanness. Kind of makes sense? Okay.
0: Yeah, it does, makes right, total cool. sense. I mean, you broke let's it down going. very well. So let's keep going. 15 through 19. Then he shall kill the goat of the sin offering that is for the people and bring its blood inside the veil and with its blood as he did with the blood of the bull, sprinkling it over the mercy seat in front of the mercy seat. Thus he shall make atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanness of the people of Israel and because of their transgressions, all their sins. And so he shall do for the tent of meeting which dwells with them in the midst of their uncleanness. No one may be in the tent of meeting from the time he enters to make atonement in the holy place until he comes out and has made atonement for himself and for his house and for the assembly of Israel. Then he shall go out to the altar that is before the Lord Yahweh and make atonement for it, and shall take some of the blood of the bull and some of the blood of the goat and put it on the horns of the altar all around. Then he shall sprinkle some of the blood on it with set his finger seven times, and cleanse it and consecrate it from the uncleanness unclean, of the people of Israel. So, Pastor, we have the offering for himself and his household. Now we have the offering for the people of Israel and other rules that are within there too. So, any thoughts on these verses?
1: Yeah, I'll just briefly say this, that um, the sins and the uncleanness of God's people, um, it's not that it defiles God, because we can't defile God. He's perfect. He's holy. Um, But it it almost sort of drags down the reputation of God's people, right? Um, Think of it like, uh, you know, that, that building that you're, you know, if you're a realtor, you're trying to sell this building, and it's got graffiti all over the side of it. Right that's the uncleanness that's what god's people have have brought along on their journey through the wilderness, and that's a problem and so when he's covering these different uh different um items with blood, it's almost like he's using that lifeblood uh to cover up that graffiti that stain uh that the uncleanness of the people has put on it does that does that kind of make yeah. sense
0: yeah okay. that's that makes perfect sense yeah anything okay. else
1: yeah no, I mean I think that's that's really what's going on here um Again, note the order here is aaron he 's atoning for his sin he 's atoning for the sin of his family who 's assisting him, and then he moves on to atoning for the sins of the people. It kind of goes out from that see he, he washes his hands before he you know washes the other. He puts his mask on in the airplane before he puts on the other. I think that analogy got away from me, uh, but you see, you see what 's going on here uh, in terms of uh, he's going to uh, he 's going to take care of himself, according to God's word, so that he can be in God's presence. And then he will offer prayers. He will offer sacrifices on behalf of the rest of the people as well. And then it goes out from the most holy place to the altar, uh, again, to the horns of the altar, uh, where sacrifices are, are you know, traditionally given. Uh, but this sacrifice is a special one. This is that day of the atonement for the sins of all the people
0: and one of the realities of this you can i'm, I'm going to have to go to jesus right now because go to hebrews 9 which we yeah. studied right before leviticus which was uh <laughs> which was an awesome way i was like would it be better to start with leviticus and go to hebrews or hebrews and leviticus either way it's a great gift but here it's very clear the high priest needs to make atonement for himself first and then for the people but jesus right. the great high priest does not need to do that because he is sinless and so his is all like you said the uh, Uh, what was a generous giving God who gives himself and does it for all the people because he doesn't need the sacrifice for himself. It's all for us. So give you a minute here. Any thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with what you're saying, and I think that's, that's a wonderful time to reinsert Jesus into the conversation, uh, because like you said just a moment ago, right, uh, is the fact that when the people of God are forgiven in Leviticus 16, and every time that they return to Leviticus 16 to carry out the rite uh, that's established in Leviticus 16, they are actually being cleansed by the blood of Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. There has never mm-hmm. been forgiveness apart from the blood of Jesus. It's just he hadn't been born yet. Right. So it's go. kind of yeah. that before, you know, putting the, the cart before the horse thing. But it's OK because it's Jesus and Jesus's blood has atoned for for all sins of all time forever and ever. Amen. Um, and so that's that's really I mean, this this is, you know, uh, while we still got 10 minutes left in, in, the, in the show, that's where we have to remind ourselves uh, that this is all going and that we're already there. Right. Jesus's Mm -hmm. name Mm -hmm. may not appear in Leviticus 16, but it is all about him. That's just that's that can't be said enough.
0: Well, let's keep moving forward with that in mind. So verses 20 through 22. And when he has made an end of atoning for the holy place and the tent of meeting and the altar, he shall present the live goat. All right, so now we get to the scapegoat, so the live goat. Everything else has been um, has been atoned for, even the holy place, the tent of meeting, all of this. Now we have the live goat. What's happening here?
1: Yeah, like I, like I said just a minute ago, I mean, this atoning uh, for the holy place and the tent of meeting, what did the holy place and the tent of meeting ever do that was wrong? What did the altar right. ever do that was unclean, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. the people's right. sins. Like I said before, it's that that idea of the graffiti, right? It's the the unclean and the impure acts, those acts of death um, that have been perpetrated, um, you know, and some, some of them innocently, like we said at the very opening, not necessarily sin. But here, um, the, the tabernacle itself has been defiled, and so it also must be cleansed. Its graffiti has to be washed off. I should probably point out that a few of our listeners are probably saying, well, didn't they already talk about the scapegoat? Uh, well, verses 6 through 10 mm-hmm, sort of yeah. serve as the, the uh, overview, and 11 and following is the, here's the detail. Right. Here's right. The, the right in uh, in detail. And so, yeah, this is, uh, as we said before, this is the part where he's going to actually place his hands onto this goat um, and he's going to pray over it. Basically, you know, confess the sins of the people of God and the iniquities. Um, and then this man of readiness. Right. He's, the, I guess, the, the quick guy, the guy who's ready to go for a run. Um, he's going to mm-hmm. he's going to shoe this thing on out of there. They're going to take it out into the wilderness and set it free so that it will not be seen anymore. Yeah. So I think that's that's a really cool uh, point. This atoning for the holy place and the tent of meeting like we got to we can't just you know, gloss over the fact that he's actually cleansing everything, not just the people.
0: Right, right. And as you said, it's not like the the holy place sinned and therefore it needs to be forgiven. No, it's unclean and needs to be cleaned. And that's an important thing for us to remember. Plus, we see the scapegoat and we see it being sent into the wilderness. Well, guess what? Who goes outside the camp and who goes into the wilderness? Obviously, our Lord Jesus. And so it just keeps keeps coming back. Anything else before we move on? We got four minutes left.
1: Oh, we got plenty of time. Let's keep going.
0: All right, I'm going to read the rest. Just, we're going to plow okay. through. Then Aaron shall come into the tent of meeting, and he shall take off the linen garments that he put on when he went into the holy place, and shall leave them there. And he shall bathe his body in water in the holy place, and put on his garments, and come out, and offer his burnt offering, and the burnt offering of the people, and make atonement for himself and for the people. And the fat of the sin offering he shall burn on the altar." And he who lets the goat go into Azazel shall wash his clothes and bathe his body in water. And afterward, he may come into the camp. And the bull for the sin offering and the goat for the sin offering, whose blood was brought in to make atonement in a holy place, shall be carried outside the camp. Their skin and their flesh and their dung shall be burned up with fire. And he who burns them shall wash his clothes and bathe his body in water. And afterward, he may come into the camp. And it should be a statute to you forever. In the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, you shall afflict yourselves and shall do no work, either the native or the stranger who sojourns among you. For on this day shall atonement be made for you to cleanse you. You shall be clean before the Lord from all your sins. It is a Sabbath of solemn rest, and you shall afflict yourselves. You shall you shall afflict yourself. It is a statute forever. And the priest who is anointed and consecrated as priest in his father's place shall make atonement, wearing the holy linen garments. He shall make atonement for the holy sanctuary, and he shall make atonement for the tent of meeting and for the altar, and he shall make atonement for the priests and all the people of the assembly. And this shall be a statute forever for you, that atonement may be made for the people of Israel once in the year because of all their sins. And Moses did as the Lord commanded him. I need to take a breath. What do you have, Pastor?
1: <laughs> well, uh, so this is kind of, uh, I mean again, this is the, this is the right in detail, uh, but this sounds to be more like the uh, sort of the after part. Right. Now, um, after Aaron leaves the holy place, um, he's going to again bathe. Uh, He's likely got uh, a good amount of blood on himself uh, from this. uh, Not only the sacrificing of the uh, the animals, but also from the sprinkling of that blood. Uh, You've got to imagine that this is uh, not being done in just kind of a, you know, dip a finger in it and then just kind of get a drop or two. But this is being done in a I don't want to say a violent way, but in a way that he says, you know, what I am doing right now is, uh, is atoning for the sins of all of the people." You know, I would think that it would be mm-hmm. kind of like, I don't know how you baptize, you know, kids when you're doing a baptism. But, you know, do you do just, you know, like, you, know you make sure the top of their head gets wet or do you get, you know, handfuls and handfuls of water? I want to make the oh, point here. That's, right? the yeah. Yeah,
0: that's the goal. Yeah, that's the goal. Right.
1: Not that, you know, a baptism with three drops of water would be any less effective. Right. right? Exactly. But There is this kind of this image of, of Aaron, you know, coming out and he's just bathed, you know, sort of in blood. And so here is uh, here's Aaron. He's Cleansing himself, he's washing himself, he's moving on to the next thing. Um, And then, yeah, this is going to be a statute for you forever. Okay? Um, No eating, no drinking, time to rest, time not to work, right, for you and for everyone here within you. Um, This is to be set aside as a statute forever uh, that atonement may be made. This is something we should not ever lose sight of is the fact that this is God's will for his people um, to remember, ultimately, to remember Jesus. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: So, Pastor, we have about a minute left, a little bit more than a minute. How would you summarize this chapter and what it means for us today?
1: Oh, goodness. Okay. So here (laughs) it is. And this is is where we opened, right? This is the the concept that we opened with um, is that God wants to be with his people right? Um, God wants to be with his people. The book of Leviticus is all about the how God uh, is with his people. Uh, for us in uh, you know living on this side of, of the incarnation of Jesus, living on this side of the cross, uh, we have a, a fundamentally different answer than did the people in Leviticus, but it's really the same, is that God wants us to be holy even as he is holy. Now, we understand, we have the, the added uh, uh, benefit of having the New Testament, of seeing that Jesus is the one who comes to make full atonement forever and ever so that we don't ever have to do this day of atonement stuff. But we can read about the day of atonement in Leviticus 16. We can see it and we can see the great lengths to which people would go uh, to receive the promises of God. When God says it, Aaron does it just according to Moses' words. We can take those words and we can see that God is faithful to his people. The heart of God is that he wants us to be with him. He wants to dwell with us and to be our God so that we could be his people. And that is known most perfectly in in Jesus Christ.
0: Pastor Dustin Beck of Holy Cross Lutheran Church in Warda, Texas, given us God's wrong word from Leviticus chapter 16. Pastor Beck, thank you again for being our guest.
1: Oh, my pleasure, sir
0: saints of our lord god's people gathered around the word and prayer and they learned something about it and they gathered around the blood of the goat and the scapegoat and they knew that they were indeed forgiven we gather around christ and his gifts and we know we are forgiven because he is a gracious giving god and the sacrifice he has made he didn't have to sacrifice for himself he did it all for you for that we give thanks I'm your host, Brady Finner, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hands.